Hey, millennials, can I have a frank conversation with you? I'm in my 40s. I'm just a little bit ahead of you time-wise. I understand what you're going through. Let me ask you a centralized question. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? In this video, I want to tell you the secrets of getting and staying motivated. Sometimes we just feel stressed out of life. Sometimes we feel like we're not making progress, like things don't matter, that work doesn't matter, that life doesn't matter. But I can tell you that there's a pathway that you can use. There's a process that you can use to get motivated again and to stay motivated once and for all. So think about this. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail, that you could do anything you wanted to do with your life? Would you make it count or would you just blow it off in frivolity to be happy, to be lowercase j joy? I think you would do the greatest thing possible that you could imagine if you knew you couldn't fail. I believe that you are inspired and you are brilliant and you have capacity to accomplish whatever you set your mind on. And I believe that you can become that which you envision. When I was 26, I built my business up to 400 employees, didn't have a clue about what I was doing. When I was 36, I was in charge of a global organization with over 2,000 team members, eventually becoming chairman of that organization, scaled up from 800 to 2,300 team members. I've served in a variety of capacities, started multiple multi-million dollar organizations in my 20s and my 30s. I understand what you're going through, and I understand that it's tough being a millennial, especially a millennial man in today's day and age. But I can also tell you that you can find meaning and purpose through the portal of responsibility. And that whenever you don't feel inspired, you don't feel motivated, you don't feel like it really matters, that there's a pathway forward. And I'm going to give you one loop, one action plan that you can take that the lie that's told to you and it was told to me was that I have to be motivated in order to act. That I have to like want to act before I actually take action. I gotta be motivated to start the business before I start it. I've gotta be motivated to do this big project. I've gotta be motivated to press the on button on the camera before I do it. And I'll tell you what, that was a grand lie. In fact, it was it was the central lie of my 20s and my 30s that I had to be motivated. Motivation is irrelevant. Motivation doesn't mean anything. In fact, the desire for motivation is the biggest inhibitor of your becoming the purposeful leader that you want to become. And so here's what I call the action loop. That it's not that you're motivated, then you act. It's that you act first. And through your action, you see progress being made. A little bit of progress. Through that little bit of progress being made, you would be able to see some momentum. A little bit of progress on top of a little bit of progress. A little bit of failure where you learn, you make adjustments, and you make more progress. And that becomes momentum. And through momentum, momentum compounds and becomes motivation. And what happens once you're motivated? You do some more action. You act some more. You take bigger risks. You take better risks. You see the risks and the rewards, and you're able to take advantage of asymmetric rewards for smaller risks. And so this is this is how you get through it. This is how you get through it. You get through it through action. But what should our actions entail? If we want to be motivated to overcome, to be the best millennial men that we could possibly be, to be the best leaders, to be the best boyfriends and husbands and fathers and sons and co-workers and team members and friends, what does that look like? What does that mean for our lives? It means that we wake up when we're struggling. 
It means we're asking, why do I need to work? Like, what's the purpose of all this? This is like a lot of work. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. It means doing the thing that you least want to do because that's what you most need to do. What you most need to do is what you least want to do every damn time. And that whenever you don't do what you don't want to do, you reinforce the selfish habit of not living up to your potential. You're robbing the rest of the world of what could be out of you. You're robbing your future self of its potential. Don't rob your future self by sacrificing the present. Invest in the present and maximize the future. And we've got to find energy. We've got to find motivation to do this. And so I'm going to give you nine practices to find motivation, find potential, to find the way to break out and be able to obtain the motivation that has staying power, the motivation that you actually need. And we're going to give you an engine to run with. We're going to give you the engine that keeps running time and time again. So the first thing you're going to do is you're not going to waste any energy. You're not going to waste energy on things that don't matter. You're going to stop wasting energy and you're going to focus your energy and ask this one question, what needs to be done? What is the one thing that needs to be done right now to carry my present self into becoming the future self that I want to be, to carry the current reality into the reality that I'm destined to have unfold in my life for not only me, myself, but also for my family, for my friends, and for the organization in which I'm partnered. This also means do not do stuff that's useless. Do the things which you know you can do and that actually have worthwhile duration to your life. Number two, ask what is right for the organization, for the team, for the family? What is right for the team, not what's right for me? It's either team or the me, one or the other. Focus on the community. If you're not part of a community, you need to become part of a community. It's only through becoming part of a community can you fulfill the very destiny for which you were created. Destiny comes through community. And so this is how we become the effective, motivated millennials and the leaders which we potentially become. We think about team. We think about the organization. We think about our coworkers before we think about ourselves. This is the very nature of being a servant leader. The third thing we do is we develop short, precise action plans. If you can fit an action plan on a three by five card, do it. Never put an action plan on more than one page. It's got to be super, super simple. If it's not super simple, you're not going to remember it. Don't make it complicated. The people that are overcomplicate things are the people that don't have the thought capacity to think through how to simplify them. If you have the time, you'll simplify it. And so you create an action plan of one or two bullet points. And I'm encouraging one of the bullet points to be the things that you're not going to do. What are you going to disavow by taking this action? If I'm going to take an action, I'm going to give up an action. If I'm going to commit time to doing something, I'm going to sacrifice time doing something else. If I'm going to serve one pleasure, I'm going to sacrifice a lesser pleasure. Sacrificing and serving always come in the diametrically opposed process. You must sacrifice capital in order to make an investment. You must sacrifice time with your bad friends in order to have the time necessary to grow and become worthy of the best friend. You must sacrifice the lesser job for the greater job. You must sacrifice the relationship, which is fun and exciting, for the relationship that brings purpose and meaning and love. You must sacrifice the idols as Jacob did in Shechem and bury them and do away with them if you're to ascend like Jacob did at Bethel into your very purpose and becoming who you are. You must develop short action plans to do this. Then I want you to take responsibility. Taking responsibility is, is the very becoming of a man. That is the very definition of a man in that you become responsible for your own actions. You, you become responsible for paying your own bills, for cleaning up after yourself, for getting up early in the morning, for taking care of the chores that 
that are put before you. You know, a lot of us moved straight from the house of our parents to the house with our wives. We never really had a chance to be very independent. And so we lost a little bit of that responsibility. We've always had someone taking care of us. I understand that. And we have to take responsibility for others as well. If you're a leader, you're taking responsibility for others. Your mistake is my mistake. Then we're in this thing together. And we can never do anything great without a team. The key thing about working in a team is a key thing about life is that the inversion of the responsible person is the person that's always blaming other. The person that blames other is the inversion of what you're to become. That as long as you make excuses, as long as you take blame and you blame others for out their outcomes and for your outcomes, especially if you're responsible for them, you're never becoming the purposeful person which you were destined to be because you're the inversion of the responsible person. Right? You were called to responsibility. You'll never get purpose through blaming. It always comes through responsibility. And so speaking of responsibility, the next step is a step number five is that we want to take responsibility for communication. How do you grow your communication skills? How do you grow in the professionalism, the mannerisms? How do you articulate proper emails? How do you articulate proper letters? Are you sending handwritten notes to thank people? Are you becoming not only someone that's responsible, but someone that's a little bit classy, someone that's able to ascend into the greater things, to the higher things, and to actually grow up and be an adult, to be the adult sometimes, right? In a, in a friend group, it always takes one person to become the adult first. And that person is one that leads the other ones out of their childhood. That's the story of Peter Pan, the boy who never grew up. And so as long as we're in that friend group, it's incumbent on us to be the responsible person to lead them into the adulthood and to lead them through communication and taking responsibility. And so as we begin to build this life for ourselves, and we're looking for motiva motivation, we're looking uh, how do we stay motivated. You know, we don't want to ebb and flow. And life does come in ebbs and flows. You're motivated, you're demotivated, you're deflated, you're fell, you have a little bit of success, you're inspired, you're hopeful, and then you make another mistake. That's the way life is. And so we have to realize that we have one or two mindsets. The first mindset is that we're going to be focused on problems, that we're going to become problem solvers, that whenever you get to work, the fires hit, the problems hit, the emails hit, the phone calls hit, there's something that goes wrong somewhere that you've got to fix. And before you know it, you spent your entire week fixing other people's problems. That is a responsive mindset. But the leader, the motivated leader who gains responsibility and purpose in their life is not responsive. They are proactive in what they want to do. And so proactive people go and seek out opportunity in which to maximize. Opportunities to maximize versus problems to solve. That is a pivot that the responsible, motivated millennial takes as they grow and become the man of their future. We must take proactive action and go out and seek out the opportunities, right? The effective executive in Peter Drucker's words will look for the very best people and put them on the very best opportunities. And they will take the, the B players and the C players and put them on the problems. The C players are capable of solving the problems. The A players, you put them on the best opportunities because whenever you get differentiated risk and reward scenarios, they're asymmetric. Then you go all in on the opportunities with your very best people, with your very best resources. And so as you grow, you're going to focus on your opportunities and not your problems. And opportunities are more inspiring. Opportunities will keep you motivated longer. The problems require a process. Set a process and forget it. The seventh thing is whenever we engage with others, whenever we have meetings, we want to take responsibility for those meetings. We want to set action plans. An action plan with an actual action item, a due date, and a personal responsibility. 
And if no one else in that meeting is taking these action notes, is taking these minutes, you be the person to take the minutes. It's not, it's not being need to you to take minutes. I don't care if you've got an MBA. I don't care if you you intern with Goldman. I don't care where you intern or what you think you've done. It's not beneath you to take minutes. It's not beneath you to track what the action items are and send out a summary email afterwards. Joker says that the CEO of Ford did this for years. He was sent on his own action items for meetings because he wanted to know what was going to get done, when he expected to be, get, get done, and who was going to be responsible for it. Because without someone responsible, without a due date, without an action item, no one's accountable for anything. You are looking for purpose, and the only avenue to purpose is through responsibility. You must seek out responsibility. You must show yourself to be disciplined, organized, and functionally solvent and proactive if you're able to move to the next step in your leadership. The eighth thing that we want to do is we want to keep in mind we're operating on a team level. This is not a single player game all the time. Sometimes it requires teams. Life, as Tolstoy said, was is to be lived as a single player. But we were to do that within a community. How do we help our coworkers, our teammates, our families become the best they can be? We teach these things. We encourage people. We help get people motivated, right? The best way for you to be motivated is for you to give energy to others. How do you manufacture energy? It's the action loop. You act, make a little bit of progress. The progress compounds and becomes momentum. The momentum yields motivation. That motivation can spread to others. That's how you do it. It's not about me. It's about we. It's about a team. If you're not building a team, if you're not building a community, if you're not part of a community, you've got to find one to become a part of. Oh, Rick, no one understands me. Or Rick, I just got this this horrible job. Or Rick, I'm just job hopping because I heard that I could earn more money by moving from job to job to job every 12 to 18 months. I can tell you will never find purpose as long as you're job hopping. And as a side note, for those of us that hire, it's possible that we may have a drop-down box on applicants to reject them. And one of the reasons is that they're a job hopper. If you've had more than three jobs over the last five years, you're a job hopper. Why would anyone invest in you? A little side point. So how to be motivated? How to be motivated? It's like, I don't want to be a job hopper. I want to be authentic. I want to be dedicated. I want to be responsible. I want to build a career. I want to build a lifestyle. I want to build a life. I want to build a family. I want to build something that goes beyond me, that lives beyond me. Why? Because it's it's rumored that we're made in the image of God and God is eternal and so we are eternal. It's rumored that we may not be just bodies that happen to have a spirit, but maybe we're primarily spirits that just happen to have a body and that you and I, friends, will live forever. And that, that's a reason to find purpose. That's a reason not to be hopeless. That's a reason to take responsibility for the future you, that we might become together someone of increasingly glorious nature, right? That's, that's the inverse of that is the devil, is the devils of hell. If you go back and read Dante, that the devils of hell become that way because they've been allowed to persist in their devolution and their degrading of their ethics for millions of years at a time. That's how devils become devils, is they devolve into that. But we have the inverse opportunity. We have the inverse opportunity to continually become someone that's great, someone that is inspiring, someone that helps lift other people's up, someone that talks about the we and not just the me, someone that has hope for tomorrow. Imagine if you had hope, you're able to spread the hope to others. What if you're able to make friends and inspire other people to become more, to live more, to dream more, to think better about themselves? What if you were able to think about becoming an effective person? Because effective people become trustworthy. They have integrity. And people that are trustworthy gain responsibility. People that are trustworthy and have responsibility, they're the ones that gain meaning and purpose in their life and fulfill the biggest things in their life. And so let me ask you again, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you do if you knew for a fact that you could not fail? If you're a millennial, your whole life is in front of you. Don't waste it. 
Don't waste your life. Become more. Do more. Read more. Read better books. Put away the technology. Put away that which is keeping you back so that you might ascend higher. Don't ignore the things that you least want to tackle. Do not ignore the work because it's only through work that you find responsibility. Work and responsibility are gifts because they're the avenues of meaning and purpose. Every single time. How do you find purpose? How do you find meaning? You find a centralized governing framework in order to become that. And that's tip number nine about how to become a motivated millennial who's able to lead is you find a governing framework in order to attach yourself to it. This is commonly called a meta-narrative or a grand narrative or an overarching story of humanity to figure out where you plug in. Sometimes this is connected through military service. I'm a part of the military of the greatest country the world's ever known. And forever I will always be a service member of Navy, Marines, Army, Air Force, Coast Guard. Sometimes it's part about being of an epic family. I was the great-grandson of Christopher Columbus, for instance. Or I was once the son of the person that started XNX Company. Or I was a member of this organization when we took it public. It's something like that where we think about where we are and who we are, but it's not based off of who we are. It's assimilation within a greater group, a greater responsibility, a greater narrative framework. But what if you could find a framework that is grander than that to tie yourself into? What if you could find a framework in which you were able to identify as something and someone in a group that transcends time? Not just a country, but something that's greater than that. So that's where the stories, the great world religions come into play. And that if you attach yourself to one of these, you find not only duration, but you also find an intrinsic way of meaning where work has material meaning in and of itself. That the ability for you and I to work, the ability for you and I to identify with community, the ability of you and I to identify with a grand narrative gives us life. And if that life transcends all time, all of a sudden you know that when you walk through the unknown door, you walk in with someone with you. You walk in with power. You walk in with the entirety of the human race behind you. You walk in with God himself. Remember that the, the God, definitionally, is the one that transcends time, but he also transcends space. So that he's behind you, he's before you, he's above you, he's to your left, he's to your right. He's already on the other side of the door that you're getting ready to open through, that you're getting ready to storm through. He's already prepared the room, the next phase of your life for you. And so you should be motivated when you're connected to a grand narrative that has something that of substance, something like God, something like Christianity offers, to be motivated to act. Because whenever you act, you see progress. And whenever you see progress compound, you see momentum. And whenever you see momentum, you see motivation. And through motivation comes action. And action becomes purpose and meaning. Thank you.